Guys, listen, men's hangout night. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. Uh, we're going to have a bonfire. We're going to have a good hangout time. You guys like to eat food? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have some good food on the grill. We're going to have a great time. Uh, somebody is going to try to dethrone me as a Texas Hold'em champion of the church. I see Lawrence raising his hand over there. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. He may get it. Oh, Larry, all these guys are pointing fingers at me. They're like, got you, Pastor. We're coming for it. Okay, bring it on. Bring it on. So, uh, if, you like, if you like to hang out and play some games, we're going to have football games on the screens, uh, cornhole, uh, Texas Hold'em, foosball, all kinds of fun stuff going on that evening. Guys only. Ladies, y'all don't let us hang out for Women of Valor. So, touche. Y'all don't get to come to the men's hangout. But guys, are we going to show up in force? Yes. Oh, my God. That was so pathetic. Okay, we're going to try this again. Something. All right. All right. Are we going to show up in force? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. It's going to be a great time to hang out and have some fun. Hey, if you got your Bibles uh, or your tablets, open them up to the book of Galatians. We've been camping out here for the last couple of weeks in the book of Galatians. Galatians is just a powerful book. It's a powerful book. If you want to know um, who you are not and who you really are in Christ, Galatians is a great book to read and get into. Um, Paul, when he's, he's writing this, he's, he's navigating under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit a crazy situation because uh, the gospel is spreading like wildfire. People are coming to know the Lord, and a lot of great things are happening, but you've got uh, a lot of tradition that this group of Jews that have followed the law all of their lives are beginning to deal with because they've been taught tradition, uh, rules, regulations, and things that they have to follow. And then you've got this new group of people um, called the Gentiles. The Gentiles are really anybody that wasn't Jewish at the time. And uh, they don't have any of that. They have their, uh, their pagan gods that they worship, their philosophies that they followed. And stepping into this new relationship with this guy called Jesus is just radical and life-changing to them. But you're seeing a melting pot of these two cultures coming together under the banner of what would be Christianity, under the leadership of Jesus and that new relationship with him. They're bringing all of their junk all of their garbage, all of their past, all of their tradition, all of their religious rules into this game. And Paul is saying, hey, that's not what Jesus died for. He didn't die for any of that. He died to fulfill the law and to set you free from that obligation so that you could be a new creation in Christ Jesus and allow him to change you from the inside out instead of you trying to do all the work yourself to earn your way into a good standing with God. And so Paul had his hands full. He really did. And so in Galatians 3, in verse 26, where we're going to kick off this morning, he's writing to them, dealing with this issue of their new identity in Jesus. Now, how many of you know we've got kind of an identity crisis going on in our country right now? Just a little bit, right? Um, pick your pronoun, you know, pick your political party, pick your whatever. It's just everybody's trying to identify as something except who they really are. And, and Paul's kind of speaking to this uh, with this new group of Christians who are trying to forget what they've learned and establish themselves under this covenant of grace and life transformation that Jesus brings. He says in verse 26, For you are all children of God through faith 
in Christ Jesus. I love that. He just starts out at the beginning telling them who you are. You are children of God because of what Jesus has done for you and because of your faith in him. That's powerful. That is powerful because for these Jews, they've always known themselves as children of Abraham. We are children of Abraham. We serve God, but we're the children or we're the genealogy of Abraham that God made a promise to, and we're riding along with that. Abraham's our guy, and we love God. But here, here Paul say, no, 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 no. You are a child of God, a child of God. This was news to the Gentiles because they had a bunch of jacked up false gods that they followed, and none of them were nice. None of them were loving. You know, all of the, the pagan gods that they followed, they all wanted something from you. And if you did everything and devoted your whole life to it, to these gods, you'd get nothing. You know why? Because it wasn't there. There was nobody there. You know, if you were bowing down to a piece of wood, guess what? Maybe some termites might do something for you, but that was it. You know, it's just a piece of wood or a piece of gold or whatever it was and get nothing from it. And, and, and the way the rules and regulations were written out for some of these gods, you had to sacrifice your children. You had to sacrifice your family. I mean, there were all kinds of perverse things happening in these temples, you know. And so for these Gentiles to be called children of God, you're like, wait, what? Gods are something that we serve. Gods are something that we try to appease. And you're saying that I'm a child of God? Don't forget in that day, if you're a child of anybody, whew, all rights and privileges and authority that comes under the, the, the heading of that family that you're a part of, you get to partake in. To be called a child of God is an amazing thing. You know, so let's start out today with a little drill here. So everybody repeat this after me. Say, I am... A child of God. You said that like you meant it. We are children of the Most High God. That just gets me going. If we don't say anything else today, let's dial in on that. We are children of the Most High God. This is amazing to me. And then he says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. I love new clothes. Like, I've got a wardrobe of stuff I like to wear. Y'all got your comfy clothes? Yeah. yeah. So when I find something that's new and fresh and it fits good on me, and I love, I love when things do what they're supposed to do when they're clothes. I hate when clothes are in rebellion because it's always the clothes' fault, right? Yes. It's not us, you know? It's crazy. An extra large is not as big as an extra large used to be. Extra larges are as big as smalls used to be. That's just crazy how everything's shrinking. <laughs> everything's shrinking, you know? That's how it goes. I love new clothes. Um, when you watch football, I love football. Talked about that earlier. Any given game, at any given moment, while there's action happening on the field, there are 22 players on the field. That's a lot of guys. It's a lot of testosterone on that field out there. So all these guys, when the ball is snapped, they start hitting each other and falling down and running into each other and crisscrossing and mixing up. The only way you can tell them apart is by the uniform that they have on. It's key. If I'm wearing this color, I belong to this team. If I'm wearing this color, I belong to this team. What Paul is saying here is just amazing to me. He says, um, once we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we've been reunited with Christ in baptism and put on Christ. It's like putting on new clothes. 
new clothes. It's amazing. You know, the Bible actually says that we, we get to put on robes of righteousness, spiritually speaking, to mark us, to cover us, and to identify us. You know what? That means when God's doing what he does, I imagine he has a lot of fun stuff to do during the day because he's God, and he looks down and he goes, ah, there's my child, 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 because we're identified by what we're covered in in our relationship in Christ Jesus, those robes of righteousness, that team uniform, if you want to go there. Um, we're identifiable because we have put on what Jesus has provided for us. So we're not identified really by what's underneath that stuff. We're marked and we're identified by what we put on in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? To, to begin with, Paul starts to deal with this issue of identity. This is who you are. And it's all because of what Jesus did. And then he starts telling everybody what they're not. You ever wanted to just look at somebody and say, this is what you're not? People that talk big game and you're like, no, 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 you're not. No, you're not staying in your lane. You, you're not all that in a bag of chips. You're a, a Dorito at best. You know, you just... <laughs> Just keep them in their place, you know. So, so, so then he says, um, here's what you're not. He goes, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. I love this. He starts to break things down in a practical way. He says, hey, uh, there's no longer Jew or Gentile. There's no longer your tradition or your rules or your religious Junk. There's no more your false gods and, and your philosophies. No, you all come together now and you are one in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. He's speaking to cultural boundaries too and racial boundaries too. He says, listen, all that is done away with. It's not about whose tribe you're a part of or whose tribe you're not a part of. It's not about what color your skin is or what your heritage is. We are all one in Christ Jesus. That is awesome to me. Then he says, uh, it's not just that, but now there's no slave or free. Now he's speaking to social status. Social It doesn't matter if you're earning minimum wage or if you're making a million dollars a year. Doesn't matter what your status is. It doesn't matter if you're the garbage man, if you're the janitor, if you're the pastor, or if you're a police officer, or if you're a politician, or it does not matter if you're a football coach. It doesn't matter. We are all one in Christ. The ground is level at the foot of the cross is what he's saying. It's amazing. He's defining what we're not now. So what you do doesn't define who you are. Who you are is a child of the most high God. You just happen to pay your bills by doing a certain something. Who you are is a child of God. Then he says there is no male or female. Oh my gosh, he might as well just lit a bomb, backed up, and let it blow the whole city up when he said that. Because then, to be a woman, you were down here. To be a man, you, well, actually, you just go down, straight down to the floor. You were, you were less than a pet. If you had a family dog, if you were a woman, you were less than that dog in the scale of importance. When he says there's no more 
male and female, we are all one in Christ Jesus. This was shaking these people to the core because everything they had known about how to identify themselves and value themselves and rate themselves and scale themselves, he's saying, wad all that up and throw it in the garbage because now it starts with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. You are a child of the Most High God. Amazing to me. Amazing to me. And then he says, and now that you belong to Christ, you are, you are the true children of Abraham. He's like, all that stuff you used to call yourself, children of Father Abraham, yeah, now you really are. Now you really are. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. In other words, God didn't just make a promise to Abraham. God's promise to him is good to you because you are a child of the Most High God. This is groundbreaking. And, and when the early church got a hold of this, it radically transformed everything. That's why you see an explosion of the gospel in the early church. And I'm going to tell you, when you really understand who you are in Jesus, it will radically transform your life. You will literally, you just cannot be the same again. You can't live down here when you know you had the potential and right to live up here. It changes everything. Everything once you get a true glimpse of your real identity in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, I am a child of God. Doesn't that sound amazing? That is just so awesome to me. This is why um, the enemy hits us so hard in this area. In fact, I guess the area that Satan will fight you in the most is your identity. He will try his best to keep you connected to the past, to keep you, your whole perception of who you are wrapped up in the value that you perceive to bring to the table, how much money you make, how many people are in your little social circle, whether or not you're single or you've got a, somebody you're dating or you're married or what, all the relationship status stuff that people try to grab value from. He'll try to get you focused on all of that to keep you distracted from who you really are. This is the biggest fight. When Satan tempted Jesus, every temptation at its core, Satan was tempting Jesus with the issue of his identity. Well, if you are the Son of God, then really do this. Well, if you are the son of God, then do that. If you are the son of God, then do this. Well, I don't know about that, Pastor Josh. Well, think about it. Jesus was just beginning his ministry. Jesus had just come from being baptized by John in the Jordan River, and the Holy Spirit led him out to the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. Forty days and nights he's out there without food or water. This is happening at the end of 18 years of obscurity in the life of Jesus. From about the age of 12 to the age of 30, we really don't know much about what happened in Jesus' life. He was just doing life. He didn't start his ministry till around age 30. That's crazy when you think about it. So maybe, maybe Satan was betting on the fact that Jesus had some questions because he had a calling that he hadn't really stepped into yet. He had prophecies that weren't yet fulfilled about him. He was 100% God and 100% man. 
And for 18 years, he had been in a holding pattern, waiting for God's timing. Isn't it crazy how the enemy will work in those, area, in that, in those seasons of life? When you're in between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. See, this is where Jesus was, and here comes the enemy tempting him. You know, when Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the garden, the Bible says that um, he had the form of a serpent. So the serpent was speaking and tempting. And if you look at the Hebrew of that word, the Hebrew definition of that word, it actually means, check this out, it actually means whispering enchanter. Whispering enchanter. See, that's how the enemy operates in our lives. He'll get inside and try to whisper those seeds of doubt. And I'll tell you why. Because he is scared to death. Scared to death of what will happen if you actually get a glimpse of who God has created you to be. He's scared to death of you. He's scared to death of the calling on your life. He is scared to death of the potential inside of you. He is scared to death that you might get a glimpse of who you really are as a child of God. And so he's going to do everything within his power to keep you here so that you don't get over here. And in fact, it, it kind of looks like this. I brought a, a photo to show you. This is kind of creepy. Look at this. So this is going around Facebook a lot right now. I don't know if this is real or Photoshopped. I always try to stay neutral on these things. But the gist is hurricanes have come in. Water levels have come up in Florida. And y'all saw, did you see, did y'all see the, the video of the sharks swimming? Out, like you see road signs. There's supposed to be a street there. And you got sharks actually swimming around. So, so this photo, whether it's real or not, it's supposed to show that, hey, the water's up. There's an alligator in, in these people's living room uh, swimming around. That would be creepy, huh? I would be straight up. That's creepy. But this is not the guy that I'm worried about. I'm worried about the one that I don't see. You know what I mean? That's the one that I'm worried about. See, this is what the enemy will try to do. He will get access to places that he's not supposed to have access to in your life as a child of God. And then when he gets in there, now all bets are off. All bets are off, and he's got you right where he wants you. Hey, let me encourage you, okay? If you've got a thought in your head that doesn't line up with what the Bible says about you, cast that thought down. If somebody's speaking junk over your life that doesn't line up with what the Bible says that you are and what it says that you can do, cast that stuff down because that's not who you are. Who you are is a child of the Most High God. Amen? The enemy wants to deceive you, and here's why he wants to deceive you, because he knows that we will either live up to or down to how we view our identity in Christ. As a pastor, I, I, just, I used to get frustrated. Now my heart breaks for people that that I see struggling with things that they don't have to struggle with and wrestling with things that they don't have to wrestle with. And they allow the enemy to have places in their lives and in their homes and in their families that he has no right to. But it happens because they don't see themselves correctly according to the word of God. And if you used to be in a doormat, then you're comfortable with people walking all over you. God hadn't called us to be spiritual doormats. And I just like, man, and maybe even some of us in here today, we bought into the lie of the enemy, and we're living down here 
when we could be living up here with everything the Bible says that we can have. Man, if I told you that if you come over to my house today, I will give you $250 million cash. How many of y'all would just skip out of church early and be waiting on me when I got home? Yeah, for real. Some of y'all are like, yeah. Say, stop walking to the door. This is an illustration. Don't head out. So, so <laughs> people are getting up and starting to move. No, no, no. So, so the motivation's there. $250 million. That'll change everything. How many of you think it would be silly to say, nah, I'm good just making what I'm making right now. You can keep your $250 million. $250 million. The word of God says that we have even more. You know what I mean? Why would we settle for what we've got when we could have everything that the Bible says that we have? You know what I mean? So don't live down, live up to. And that all hinges on how we view ourselves according to the word of God, how we identify. Now, I mean something different nowadays in America, but I'm talking about how we identify as children of God. Everybody say, I am a child of God. A child of God. See, Satan wants everything to be about the what instead of about who. He wants it to be about what we do, what we say, the mistakes that we've made, how we conduct ourselves, what we earn, what we've got in life. He wants it to be about the what because if he can keep it about the what, then everything is on our shoulders. We have to make everything happen. When you step over into who, now you just got to be and let daddy be daddy and handle business. That's a completely different scenario. So he wants it to be about the, the what, the what, the what, the what. And, and I just want to remind you, it's not about the what. We have very little, really nothing to do with it, especially in the beginning. We're saved by grace. We're saved by grace. We couldn't earn any of it. Now, we choose to be obedient after receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But listen, we can't earn it. It's all about grace. Grace is an interesting word when you look at it in Scripture. It actually comes from a root word called charis, and I've got this for you on the screens here. Um, so grace actually equals charis. It comes from that Greek word. And if you spend any time in church, if I asked you what grace means, you would say, it's unmerited favor. It is the mercy of God that's given to us. We don't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. It's a gift that he's given to us, and you'd be right. You'd be right. I think it might be better to say it's an unearned gift from God, an unearned favor from God. Um, that would be accurate. But there's a deeper meaning to this. What I love about the Bible is that you can just go as deep as you want to into the Word of God, and it will always speak to you on new levels if you give God the opportunity to speak to you. Did you know this word charis? It's not a churchy word. It's not like Christianese. Y'all know Christianese, right? Will you move your mouth? And then subtitles come out like a kung fu movie. May the Lord bless you and always keep you, my friends. Christianese, you know. So what this means, charis, it was actually... 
a business arrangement. In Greek culture, if you use the word charis, it had a stronger meaning to it. Um, and it's interesting that when you talk about the grace that God shows us in Scripture, almost every time you're going to see this word charis with it, over 140 times in the New Testament. Charis, charis, charis. It comes from that word charis. And what would happen is this. There would be like your, your uppity-uppity person who is high up in society, who has standing, power, wealth, and resources. And this person would want to do business transactions to make money on the things that they had. But if you were high society, you did not hang out with people of low stature. Not in that culture. So what they would do is these, these uppity uppities would hire a broker or have a broker. And the broker's job was to be the connection point between them and everybody else. And so they would go out and they would find people who needed the goods that the high society person had. And so they would connect them and do the transaction and the high society guy would get a little bit more money and the other people would get the goods that they wanted. High society guy though would work with the broker and put a few extra dollars in the fund so that they could do an act of charity. And if the broker were to find somebody ever so often that had a need but could not fulfill paying the cost or the supplies that they needed, that broker would be able to choose, listen to this, to caress the goods to the person. High, high society person would say, yeah, you can do that, but we still need money to offset the cost of this stuff. And so the broker would say, okay, that's fine. I will pay that cost out of the surplus that I have so that the cost is handled and the need is fulfilled. That's what charis is. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel. You remember, we were all in need, yeah? Yeah. Man, we had a bill we could not pay. We could not work ourselves out of the debt that we were in called sin. And so Jesus says, Father, we've got the need. And the Father says, yes, we do. And he says, I want to step in and take care of this. And the Father says, that's great, but a price has to be paid because the wages of sin is death. And Jesus says, that's fine. I'll pay the price. I'll foot the bill. I'll do what needs to be done so that they can get what they need. With one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, he worked as a broker in an act of charis for us. Isn't this powerful? This is the gospel. This is the grace that we're under where we could not get there ourselves, but there was a way made where there was no way for us, and his name is Jesus. And now we can say that we are children of God. That is just stinking awesome when you start to think about it. It's amazing to me what was done. So when you say grace, think charis, think that transaction, because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. It's not on us. It's on him. It's on him. It's not about the what. It's about who. It is about who we are, and it's daddy's responsibility. It's his responsibility. 
It's our job to be obedient. Just like children should be obedient to their father. Amen? That's who we are as children of God. This is why um, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, and verse 17, I love this passage of Scripture. It says um, that this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person or a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So everybody say, the old is gone. The new has come. That's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. There's a transformation that happens inside of us when Jesus becomes our Lord and Savior. And what was dead on the inside becomes alive in Christ. And we literally are made a new creation in Christ Jesus. Everyone say new creation. New creation creation with a little bit of history. And we find ourselves sometimes dealing with the same issue that Paul was working these people through here in Galatians where they are like moving away from who they were but they weren't quite all the way towards who God was calling them to be. They were kind of in the middle or a third of the way there, working their way through this, and they had some identity issues. Because at certain points in your walk with God, it's a lot easier to turn around and walk back to comfort than it is to press on into who he's calling you to be. And that's what they were dealing with. They were, they were wanting to have the freedom of the gospel, but shrink back into the comfort of what was familiar to them and what they knew. And when they began to look in the mirror of life, (laughs) they were seeing a reflection that wasn't exactly accurate. I have a question for you. How do you view yourself? I mean, really. I know we're in church and we're all supposed to be like, yeah, praise God, hallelujah. How do you view yourself? If, if you were to look into this, do you see a child of God? Or do you see your past? Do you see your issues? Do you, do you see the stuff that, that God's trying to work with you to grow out of and identify as that instead of identifying with who he's called you to be? Who do you see yourself as? Who do you see yourself as? Like, if we were... I know, that's a big mirror. Did you know mirrors are different? I found this out the hard way. We had a mirror in our house, and it's one of those make-you-look-better mirrors. You know what I mean? So, so I was putting on some clothes. I've been losing some weight, and I was like, man, I'm ready to move in. You know, like your gold clothes. Y'all got gold clothes, you know what I mean? Like, I'll put this in the closet, and one day that's going to fit. And then it's there for like eight years, and you're like working your way. Now, so that gold clothes that I finally put on, and I'm like, man, this is awesome. And I looked in the lying mirror, and I looked so good in it. I was like, yeah, boy, I'm ready for this. And then I got up here on Sunday, and I looked in the truth mirror, and I was like, wow, I look a little more round in that than I did <laughs> in the other mirror. I was like, I had the definition and lines, and I was looking good, man. And I looked at this other one, and I'm like, a pumpkin put on a shirt, and this is not the way it's supposed to be, you know? Mirrors will lie to you, and some mirrors will tell you the truth. And I got a question. If you were just looking at your own little personal mirror, man, what would you see, really? What do you see? Do you see I'm a child of God? 
Or do you see all the mess that he brought you out of and that he's trying to bring you in out of? Do you, do you see the lies that everyone told you when you were growing up? When, when somebody calls and says, hey, uh, can you pray for me? Do you feel like the warrior that can just storm the heavens? Or do you feel less than? See, in moments like this, when I start talking about, you are a child of God, you say, yes, I kind of am. I mean, I, what, what I want to do is do my best to be a good person, and then maybe, maybe I, I, I would just be happy to have, like, the worst trailer in the trailer park of heaven right on the edge, like the outskirts of heaven. I'd just be happy just to make it there. And that's your mindset. And I'm here to tell you, a child of the king doesn't live in a trailer at the edge of the kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? Do you see yourself like that? Or do you see yourself like you really are? You are a child of the most high God. Yeah, he's brought you out of stuff. And praise God he brought you out of stuff. And yeah, you're dealing with stuff. We're all dealing with stuff. We're all jacked up somehow or another. I guarantee you. But praise God, the word of God says that he who is faithful to start that work in you is faithful to carry it on to fulfillment in Christ Jesus. He's not done working with you. Oh, man. Positionally, we're a child of the king. In reality, we're working out that righteousness one day at a time. That's what the Bible says. That's normal. That's probably freedom to somebody in here today. That's normal. Hey, I got news for you. Pastor Josh is working through stuff. Guarantee you. Picture your spiritual giant that you just look up to. They're working through stuff. You know how I know they're working through stuff? Because they got this right here. They got this flesh. And you know what? They're still on earth. Woo. When we step into eternity, that's a different ball game. We'll all look a little different. We'll definitely be different then. But now we're working through stuff. We're working through stuff. And man, I just the word for you is this. Listen, this might be what you're working through. And this might be what you've done. But I'm here to tell you that your past is your past. And what you've done it's just what you've done. It's what you did. It's not who you are. Who you are is a child of the most high God. Okay? And the enemy will try to lie to you and deceive you and get you thinking, this is it right here. And that you've got to struggle and that you've got to wrestle. And everybody else is going to get this stuff, but you're going to be the one that's two steps behind the rest of your life. And it is not that way. That is a lie of the enemy. You are a child of the Most High God. Because Jesus, when he came in, he said, look, I know about all this junk. I see all this stuff. You know what? I love you anyway. I love you enough to go to the cross and die for all this stuff. I love you enough then to not just leave you there because it's okay to not be okay. The beauty about the gospel is that Jesus loved us too much to leave us that way. 
You understand that? It's okay to have issues, but just know you've got a Savior in heaven, a Savior who desires, who desires to see that new creation become your daily reality. And not all of this stuff. He's rooting for you. He's not waiting for you to mess up. He's not ready to hit you with a lightning bolt because you make a mistake. He comes there and helps you up, dusts off your knees and says, let's get busy doing what I've called you to do and becoming who I've called you to be. He doesn't give up on us. And he says, listen, this is what you see. This is what you've got to realize as a child of God. You've got a new set of clothes. And all of this is covered. In Christ covered in Christ and I want you to see yourself the way that I see you without spot wrinkle or blemish covered in my blood with my robe of righteousness a new creation in Christ Jesus all that stuff is what you did but it's not who you are who you are is a new creation in Christ Christ. This is how we need to see ourselves, guys. A new creation in Christ. It's radical to me to think that when God looks at me, as jacked up as sometimes I, 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 I feel like I am, you know, I just, there are some Sundays where the enemy will try to lie to me and just say, you know what, these people, I'll just be honest with you, they don't care what you have to say. Um, what makes you think you're qualified to stand up here and preach to these people anyway? You know, man, man, he'll tell me the same lies that he tells you guys. What makes you feel like you're qualified to do this? Now, the beautiful thing is, you know what? I know that I'm not qualified to do this, but praise God, Jesus qualifies the unqualified, amen? And so I love it. And so this right here is how we need to learn to see ourselves. I make a mistake, that's great. I'm going to grow through it, and I'm going to become who God has called me to be. Why? Because this is not who I am. This is who I am positionally. I am a child of God with his robe. His stand. I love that. That is, You know what? I feel like we could just say amen and walk out of here all shouting and high-fiving and hitting the streets right now if this really gets in your spirit. But I'm wondering if it's getting into all of our spirits. The most important step you are ever going to take in your spiritual walk, okay, is, is not deciding to tithe, okay? It's not, um, not getting filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not learning how to operate and flow with the gifts of the Spirit. Okay. All of those things are outgrowths of what Jesus does inside of you. The most important step you're ever going to take is learning to see yourself the way that God does. That's it. If you will take this step, man, if you will believe the Word of God, it's a game changer in your life. I see too many people that don't, and I want to encourage you to do that. It is life transformational. Why would you live down here when you could live up here? Why would you just take a little bit when you could live like a child of the king? You understand what I'm saying? 
You understand what I'm saying? Why would you want to sit in the lie of the enemy when you can operate in the fullness of the power that comes as being a child of the Most High God? You do realize that when you speak, you speak on the highest authority in the universe. You understand that, right? Oh my gosh, it is amazing what Jesus has done for us. There's a few things that we are. In fact, you could say, we'll start off again. I am a child of God, right? We are a child of God. That's what the Bible says. John 1, 12 says that we are children of God. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See the words, gave, gave. He gave us the right. We didn't have it. He gave it to us to be called children of God. We are children of the Most High God. Everybody say, I am a child of God. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. That's who you are. And there's so much that comes along with that. You realize that in Christ, you're not just a child of God. In Christ, you are a co-heir with Christ. A co-heir with Christ. Think about how awesome Jesus is. Okay, think about the authority that Jesus operates with. Think about the riches of heaven that Jesus stepped away from to come down to this earth to be a sacrifice for our sins. The splendor of heaven. The, the standing of being a child of God. It, we have a part in that. We are co-heirs with Christ. That doesn't mean that we're gods. It means that we're adopted children of God. But he doesn't hold anything back from us. He doesn't hold anything back from us. All rights, privileges, and benefits are ours. Amen? It's all ours. We're co-heirs with Christ. Uh, Romans 8, 17 says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So powerful. Another thing that we are, you realize that, that we are or I am no longer a slave to sin. Somebody should be shouting right now. We're no longer a slave to sin. Romans 6 Verses 6 and 7, it says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. You're free from the power of sin in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. That's who you know, Pastor Josh. I'm just a sinner that's saved by grace. I sin every day, and the Lord knows I need all his grace. And I get it. We do make mistakes. But you know you don't have to sin every day. You don't have to sin every day. Check this out. In Christ, you're not a sinner. You're a child of God. Covered in grace. Covered in grace. You know, the Bible actually says that grace, the same grace 
that saves us, the same grace that gives us what we don't deserve, the Bible says it teaches us to say no to sin. Grace just isn't a get out of jail free card. Grace teaches us to say no to sin. Listen, you're free from sin. You've heard me say this before, but listen, after Christ, if you sin, it's because you choose to, not because you have to. Before Christ, you didn't have a choice because you were a slave to sin. After Christ, you were set free from sin as a child of God. You do it because you give in and you want to. Listen, you're free from sin. Everybody say, I am free from sin. You're free from sin. What does that mean? That means that issue that you're wrestling with, listen to me. You have authority over that in Jesus. It means that repetitive sin, that vice that you just feel like you can't get free from. Listen, in Christ, you are free from it. You're free from it. Who you are, you're equipped for life. That's what the Bible says. You are equi equipped for life as a child of God. Second Peter um, chapter 1 says, His divine power has given us everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. You are equipped for life. I love that He didn't just leave us hanging. We have everything we need for life and godliness. That means if you need wisdom, you can get wisdom. That means if you need strength to push through a hard season, that strength is there. He didn't leave us hanging. The Holy Spirit is with us, and He is equipped. Listen, just the fruit of the Spirit. Think about this, guys. Love, joy, peace. You need a little bit of peace in your life? Right there equipped with the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Patience for those people at work. Patience for those people that don't know how to drive in Atlanta. Patience with yourself when you're having trouble getting traction on an issue. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of the gifts of the Spirit. Not just the fruit of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit. When was the last time you thought about yourself as someone that God could use to raise the dead? When was the last time you thought about yourself as someone that God could use to heal somebody miraculously? Oh, that's just preacher stuff. No, you are a child of the Most High God, and you have the same Holy Spirit in you that everybody else does. All the fruit, all the power, right there. We are equipped. Amen? We are equipped for life. And I love this. We're provided for. Matthew 6, says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He provides for us. I talk to people all the time that wear themselves out worrying about how they are going to pay for A, B, C, or X, Y, and Z. If you're a child of God and you're seeking first his kingdom, listen, that's not your bill. That's his bill. You understand that? That's not your problem. That's his problem. Daddy will take care of it. That doesn't mean that you don't have to go to work. Well, daddy will take care of it. I'm just going to 
I'm not going into work anymore. I'm just going to live by faith. Well, you're going to be hungry because the Bible says that if you don't work, you don't eat too. So you've got to balance that with wisdom. But at the end of our strength, we've got to trust God to step in and do what only he can do. You know, there's, there's weight that we don't have to put on our shoulders. My children, I, I've never had my little girl, Abby, or, or, or Hannah come to me stressed out and worried about what we were going to eat or whether or not they had clothes or whether or not they were going to have a ride to school or somebody to pick them up. They just live in this world where they know mom and dad are going to take care of them. So they just got to focus on their schoolwork and be obedient and keep their rooms clean in the name of Jesus, dear Lord. <laughs> they know they got to do all that stuff, but mommy and daddy have them. Listen, as a child of God, you're provided for if you put him first. If you put him first, you're provided for. Now, let me read back over this real quick. So we start out with, we are a child of the Most High God. We are co-heirs in Christ. We are no longer a slave to sin. We're equipped for everything that we're going to face in life. And we're provided for as a child of God. That's who we are. It's funny, we don't have to get our identity from what we make. What we make doesn't matter. I'm just living in the blessing of God, however he chooses to do it. My job is to be obedient. I know he's going to provide for me. Why? Because I'm a child of God. There's so much freedom in that. There's so much freedom in that. And if you get a glimpse of that, man, it affects every area of your life. I'm going to say it. Again, the enemy is scared to death. He's scared to death that you are going to catch a glimpse of who you really are in Christ. He's scared to death of it because he knows <laughs> once you settle this issue, listen, there's no lie he can tell you that you're going to believe. There, there's no deception that he can use to trick you once you get this and you stay in this. Now, if you start to wander, it's a different ball game. But if you stay in this, there is nothing he can do but run. That's it. There's nothing he can do but run. Let me ask you a question. How do you see yourself this morning? I you guys to close your eyes. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, I thank you for speaking to us today. Lord, I thank you for doing what only you can do. Lord, I ask that you use your word in this moment to pierce our hearts, mine included. To have us take an honest evaluation of ourselves and not do what people do so often and put up defenses and walls and say, well, I'll deal with this later or, well, that's given me a lot to think about. I don't want you to think about it. I want you to respond to it. Jesus died on the cross to not, to not just pay for our sin, to set us free from that sin, to, to, to have us adopted as children of the Most High God, to live that kind of life 
above the trivial issues and pursuits of this world, to be in this world, not of this world, to be strangers and aliens in a foreign land, that we're here doing what he's called us to do, but we're focused on something better, becoming who he's called us to be. How do you see yourself? If you look in the mirror this morning, do you see the less than? Do you see the struggles? Do you see the issues? Do you see the frustration? Are you listening to the voice of the enemy today? Or do you see yourself as a child of the Most High God? Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Josh? I have not been living. <laughs> I have not been living in my true identity. Kind of drifted. I've been listening to the lies of people, listening to the lies of the enemy, and honestly, listening to my own self tell myself lies about what I'll never be and what I'll never become. And, and I'm here to tell you God's got so much more for you. Got so much more for you. On the count of three, if you're here today, you know, you know I, I have not, I have not been living in that identity. But I'm going to choose today to step into that. And I refuse to live down at a low standard and a low level when God has called me to live at a higher level and for so much more. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way or call you out or bring you up to the front or anything like that. Man, I just, I, I want I want to settle this thing and I want to pray with you as you make this choice today. Pastor Josh, I'm ready to step into my true identity and be the child that God has called me to be. One, two, three. Lift your eyes and look at me. Eyes are going up all in this room. Eyes are going up all in this room. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. I love this. I love this. Eyes are going up all over this place this morning. You know what that tells me? That tells me God knows what he's doing. That tells me he gave me a word for you today. Everybody say this one more time. I am a child of God. Wow. That changes everything. That changes everything. What do you say for the next few moments? While we're stepping into this decision, for some of us, we just give God some good, passionate praise for what he's done for us. Amen? For that charis transaction in our lives, for the blood of Jesus, for everything that he said that we could be, for the freedom that we have, for the position that we have, for who we're not anymore, and for who we are now and who we're becoming. I think God's worthy of praise. Amen? It's so awesome and it's so powerful. The cars in the parking lot are shouting. Do you hear that? Little horns are going off out there. I love it. Let's just lift up our hands. Let's begin to worship the Lord. Let's begin to give him praise. The praise team is going to take us into his presence one more time. And let's just worship the Lord. We are children of God. Let's give our dad some praise for what he's done in our lives.
magnify you in this place father slip your hands just keep them up we don't have to be in a hurry you're worthy Lord Jesus 
I feel the presence of God in this place. So worthy, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you that we can boldly come before the throne of grace. Worship you in this place, Father. Worship you in this place, Lord Jesus. Worthy, Lord Jesus. Holy, 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 holy. You're so worthy, Lord Jesus. I don't think the Lord's through with what he's going to do here today. And we talked about stepping into that identity as a child of God. I think how word what I'm feeling in my spirit right now. I think we we want to do this, but I feel like there's some of us in here that that the desire is there, but stepping out of some of the lies and some of the patterns, I think, because they're so ingrained, some of that stuff, man, there, there, there are things that speak, people spoke over me as a child that still come back to me today that I have to deal with and, and put in its place. I just feel like the Lord's saying there's some people here, you you're making that decision and you have that desire, but you just need some prayer to cover you as you take that step this morning. For, for whatever the reason is, you say, you know what, Pastor Josh, I'm, I'm taking that step. I'm, I'm stepping into that identity and I'm owning it, but, but I can sure use some prayer as I'm taking that step today. If that's you, I want to open up this altar for you to just come on up here and I just want to pray over you. I just want to pray over you this morning. We got people making moves now coming on up. Hey, come on. Don't miss out on, on God doing something powerful in your life this morning over something as silly as, as pride or what other people may think. I can guarantee you probably everybody in here is doing what I'm doing. I'm jumping out of my shoes inside because I'm excited about this. Man, God is moving in this place today. He's moving in this place. I get some prayer warriors to, to gather around these beautiful people up here? Let's just lift them up in prayer. Worship team, if you will, let's just keep worship going while this is happening. And if, if you're not up here and you're not praying for somebody, listen, let's just praise God for what he's doing in our lives and for what he's doing in these people's lives. Amen? Amen. I don't, I don't think the Lord is, is done here today so let's do this now, if you don't have to to jet out of here don't jet out of here let's just rest in the presence of God right now and let him move in our lives and speak to us today over this you are so worthy Lord Jesus